So, free will and the justice system. So we spoke last week about free will. And consciousness more so. And consciousness. Well, we touched on free will. Mm -hmm. um, And how we, we talked about how, like, regardless of the fact that human beings do have passions... Um, and we have like emotions and a- and actions that are more or less not under our conscious control. We clearly have the ability to go back and and change. A, I would I would argue we clearly have the ability to consciously do things, to consciously control our bodies, and to go back and change the patterns that lead to unconscious action. Yeah, I think that would be fair to say. Uh, if if we, I mean, if you take again, we we got into this argument last time, but it's basically if if you can't, if you if you can't go back and change your own decision making, then you can make a pretty good argument that you don't have free will. But the fact of the matter is, we can. Now, each individual decision may not necessarily be uh, completely free will, but the the idea that you can go back and then change that decision, kind of. Uh, well, it it kind of overtakes that to a certain degree. And and I and again, this is something that is debatable. Um, I understand that some people think that the human mind is just like a pool table, and it's all determined by physics. Um, but it's just it, it seems just abundantly and irrefutably clear to me that I can choose things. Yeah, I mean, we we de- everyone lives their lives as if we have free will. And, uh, there's no yeah there's no way around phenomenologically yeah. like and that i don't care what it's like trying to convince me i don't exist <laughs> like you can't convince me i don't exist you can't do it and and you couldn't even convince me that i don't have free will even even if it's compatible with the laws of physics mm-hmm. that doesn't take that away right anyway so then the justice system now, the, so now the justice system. It, it, first of all, there's a there's a bunch of different ways of even looking at it. So there's some some people view it definitely as as a means of punishing people who have uh, committed crimes or gone against, you know, gone against the laws that are laws of the land. Um, and then there's another group of people who would say it's more about rehabilitating peoples. And then I'd say there's a third. Yeah. Which. Yeah. So and our system. Yeah. What would you say the third is? Deterrence. Deterrence. Yeah, deterrence. yeah. That, that is the that is the third thing saying well you know people people won't do this thing if they know there's a consequence to it which is more or less i mean more or less true in different cases um mm-hmm. yeah so f- for free will if we if we don't believe that human beings have free will then really the deterrence case and the rehabilitation case are what we're left with and the punishment case isn't you know like it, what? Why yeah. you can't punish the like? I, I I remember listening to one of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcasts, and he talked about how I think it was Xerxes. He he bridged made a bridge from Asia to Europe by taking boats and lashing mm-hmm. them together, and then they built like sides that were taller than a horse, so the horses couldn't see. Then they covered it in dirt. Um, but the first couple times, like the ocean destroyed all the ships and Xerxes had the sea lashed. <laughs> he had guys go out with whips and, and whip the ocean to punish it for being bad. 
Yeah, you, you can't punish the ocean. It doesn't have free will. Well, and if people <laughs> don't have free will, then when you lock somebody up, you're just lashing. It, it would be as though you're lashing the sea. If that person's yeah, not truly you're not culpable really... for their action. Yeah, and so punishment seems kind of mean and unnecessary if that yeah. was the if that was the case. Yeah, where um, I would even say the deterrence case is a little weakened as well because if people don't have free will, then you know they they were still going to make take these actions anyway, regardless of whether you had a but deterrence. But they have that. But they have that not. deterrence. The deterrence is feeding into the action that they're taking. Well, right. <laughs> it's funny because if you actually ask most people who have committed crimes, they, they just thought they were yeah. going to get away with it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. No, I think deterrence so, is in fact uh, weak. But I think from a philosophical standpoint, I don't think that – I think that if you don't believe in free will, you can still believe that deterrence is effective. That's Because you can think that there's a part um, of your brain that is just going under – you know, just following its electrochemical processes – and it interpreting me saying, I'm going to punish you if you do that, is part of that. Yes, that's true. That would, do, that would be play into the decision. Yeah. Uh, even if the decision itself was not necessarily a free will one, I guess, kind of. Yeah. Um, and, yeah and then in the rehabilitation point of view would still main, be maintained under, uh, if, even if you don't have free will, because then, you know, trying to get somebody better again. Yeah, because I think I'm, the, the primary... The primary point of the justice system is to protect people from, like... Dangerous individuals? From violent... Uh, yeah, exactly, from dangerous individuals. And if it fails at that, then, you know, that that's when... So, if we, if we go way back, like, there wasn't always a justice no. system. There was... It, it used to just be that, like... I mean, people didn't... But people also didn't get away with stuff. So... Before there was a justice system, before there was a strong state, people had their clan and their family. Yeah. And then if you, if I went and, like, stole something from you, you and all of your cousins would come and, like, beat up one of yeah. my cousins. And it was, it was, it, and that's how it was more of a low, low, it was you, more of a you, low scale form of warfare. <laughs> yeah. Like, you would, you would try to get me, but I'd probably know that you were after me. And then if you couldn't get me, you'd probably you try to get one of my family members, but they probably know that you were after me too. So you just keep on going degrees of separation away until you could find someone distantly related to me, and then you would take out your concern for what I did mm -hmm. on them you, or your anger for what I did on them. And then eventually what, what developed after that, because um, that kind of – that leads to feuds obviously, and it leads to violence, and then generations later nobody can remember why the feud started – um, it led to the next evolution was people would just pay. So it's like if if you killed a man, you would just have to pay his family mm -hmm. a bunch of money because that it wasn't it wasn't because then if, if they went and they killed you, then your family would go back and kill one of a member right, of their you get into family. a cycle. So they would and. and and they would give blood gold for murder, like like for very very serious crimes. They wouldn't they wouldn't incarcerate them. They wouldn't kill them. They, there would just be a price to pay. And then the family, that. the clan, would have to pay it. Would have to pay that to avoid a feud, to avoid mm -hmm. bloodshed. Yeah, and and then eventually, there there are obvious obvious no, from each of these systems. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so then when at times when. Uh, states 
were able to start to assert because then eventually you would have local monopolies on on the use of violence so you'd have like a like a you'd have a town after the collapse the collapse of the roman empire you would have uh like it was just a complete shit show there were barbarians running everywhere killing and raping and stealing and burning and like waves and waves of migration it was just it was out of control and and there were proto states for a bit that tried so uh that tried to stop that but the issue was even though these proto states could assemble massive armies they would have to for that to happen they would have to all, everybody would have to meet yeah. at a point so the a rider would go out and they would ride to all the villages and be like okay send all your men we're going to meet here in a rally weeks. it's a rally there. point yeah Exactly. And then they would go from there and they'd be like, okay, there's another army over there. We're all going to walk over there. Some of us are going to starve and die of disease. And then when we get there, we're going to f- fight it out with that other army and then yeah. hopefully win. But the thing is, that wasn't that didn't address the issue of this low-scale endemic violence of like six guys, say, going into a town, to a very, very small town. town you can't even use the word yeah, town. There were no towns. But going into a hamlet killing all the men and like stealing all the like all the food and then they're gone and so how that how that was addressed was uh people in like a fairly close say like an eight mile vicinity would just pick a couple guys to be like in charge of the Hmm. fighting and then they would they would practice all the time, and then on weekends maybe they'd get all the other guys together and they'd practice a little bit more. And then when the when brigands or people or or like groups from outside that were coming to like fuck with shit, when they came, then those people who had started to specialize in violence would then defend people in their immediate vicinity, mm-hmm. and then that's how the lord and like and peasant relationship began to right, evolve because now now you've, now you've the, got a guy like you the, can point to class. and say well he's he's protecting us he's handling all the violence yeah that's how knights knights mm-hmm. arose um and so and then those people became the arbiters of justice in their own little town right in their own little not town yeah. i keep using the word Hamlet, town but in uh, their area. area um yeah and then so but that's obviously really capricious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're just going to give shit they want to their friends. And if you're not in their good books, then you're fucked. And so that's the next step of that evolution was to have a common system, a system of common laws for everyone. And then, again, that's when... And and in, in, in the beginning, like, it was extremely difficult to imprison people. Um, and that was done very, very rarely. Which is why you saw the use of much more like physical forms right. of punishment, so, like cutting a hand off or, or a finger, lashing. or like lashing people with cat of nine tails or killing them. Yeah, and then as, I mean, what was it? Horse horse thieves were pretty frequently just killed as soon as they were found. Yeah, wasn't even a, that's not surprising because like if you can steal a horse, yeah. you can then ride that horse away from justice <laughs> like, I don't know. yeah basically basically that very, was the very, issue very so if they if they caught if they caught some if they caught a horse thief he he was he, they very rarely did they ever escape with their lives yeah like what does a horse cost now like five grand and let's say even if that price hasn't changed at all like back then people were making like two dollars a day yeah. you know so that's exactly. like the horse would be worth the equivalent of millions of dollars 
Yeah. Or well, no, it's just like it's a couple years yeah. of labor. If you if you if you own you own a horse, horses are valuable, yeah. valuable. Um, yeah. It's like stealing a guy's yeah. car, you know, Grand Theft yeah. Auto. Same idea. Yeah. People are usually pretty angry when you jack yeah. that ride. Yeah. So, I mean, but all of this had nothing. Like these people weren't concerned about whether or not free will was in the picture. They were just no dealing with this is a problems practical. that were arising on a regular basis in their lives. Yeah, and it just yeah, and it was to keep it was to keep uh, you know intertribal warfare from breaking out. That that was why these things. Existed. And I think it's also really easy uh, easy not to remember just how much more violent society would have been um even oh, on God. on the best of days and i think like yeah. we don't we don't appreciate how civilized like we have become in these like <laughs> yeah we were the human human the human tendency towards violence is remarkably high um the fact that we have such a civil society now is quite it's 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 quite remarkable. I remember reading an article recently about how um, this person was saying, was arguing that it's quite possible that humans might have, we might have domesticated ourselves to a certain degree. Like we might have made ourselves physically weaker um, because extremely strong men would have been murdered. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these people are too dangerous. Just kill them. Right. Like it, yeah. if they're, cause like you think like if you, if you think about like how, like a gorilla tri- a gorilla troop works or like a pride of lions or a company of elk works or mm-hmm. like a, it's very very common in the animal kingdom there's one big alpha male who has gets all the girls all yeah. of them and then there's a, like a lot of the males that are too young or immature and they're just they just spend all their time basically trying to get better at like fighting and until they can to one get day become the alpha strong male. enough to challenge the alpha male um, but in humans, like we're, we're very smart at killing. And so like, oh, yeah. if, if there is one alpha male who's taking all of the women and then there's just like, you know, 10 guys that are like hanging out, like not, not without partners, <laughs> like the, the argument is yeah. that's not a great likely. situation. I mean, you can even look in, in modern, yeah. in modern civilization, uh, Countries that have ma- way like have a big diff- uh, demographic change, yeah. like there's way too many men. Uh, th- those countries are prone yeah. to uh, war. Like, and it, it, like, and no matter how big and how strong you are, you can't win a fight against two people. That's fiction, unless they don't really want to fight. Yeah. But like, if we're if we're talking, everybody yeah, is like a stone age hunter gatherer. None of them are gonna, because like the only chance, if you ever get in a fight with two people, you pick the biggest one and you just punch him in the mouth as hard as you can, and you hope he goes down, and then hopefully the other guy will run. Yes, but if they both stand your ground, um, you're in big, big trouble. <laughs> the other, the other thing is, is that humans are, um, we're far more defensively vulnerable. Like f- yeah. first strike matters a lot. Yeah, big time. Like, and we also sleep for eight hours a night. Yeah, and I mean, all you need is one guy with a bow and arrow. Like, yeah, it doesn't take much. Yeah, like Itzy didn't Itzy die with an arrowhead lodged in his shoulder? Who is that? Do you know who Itzy is? Oh, who's Itzy? So these two, the, these two Germans were hiking in the Alps, um, and it was after like there was this big, um, remarkably big year of sand coming from the Sahara that got carried over the Mediterranean mm-hmm. and it got deposited on on the Alps. The albedo right. of that melted the snow faster. 
and these two Austrian no they weren't Austrian they were in the Austrian Alps oh oh no, they, they found the, they found the body yeah so they were in the Italian yeah. Alps um, there were Germans on the Italian side of the border with Austria and they found Ötzi from seven or eight thousand years ago and then yeah, like the I Austrians mean. were the first ones to like get there because uh, they didn't know exactly where it was, and so then, then so the Austrians took the body because the Italians were were too slow getting there. But then it turned out that the body had been found on the Italian side. Anyway, that the whole big thing. But yeah, it's this guy, and he's got like he's got like tattoos all over his body. He had chaga mushrooms. It's really neat, and 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 it turns out that he probably died. He got hit, and they looked at the way that the that the arrow came in. It came from below, so it was probably like they estimate. Like and with the penetration, it was probably about a hundred yard shot from below, uphill, in the mountains that hit. Yeah. The, so like when he got hit, the, the guy that hit him was an incredible, incredible marksman. That's a very difficult shot, shot with a bow. Would have been a um, very yeah, good then he, shot. Yeah. And then he got hit with an arrow and he fell into a crevice and he got covered with snow and it preserved his body. He's like perfectly preserved. His uh, his the spelling yeah, yeah. is uh, he still got his skin. Oh, with an umlaut. Uh, T Z I. Anyway, yeah, Google it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and yeah, but that's just it. Like you in uh, in human societies, being the biggest yeah. and strongest often just makes you a target. Like in all those bog bodies they find, man, those bog bodies they find in like Ireland and stuff, they are fucked up. Like they have like, yeah. long, and that could be like a religious thing. Like it was like ritual human sacrifice. But and or or just if you committed murder, the best place to hide the body was in the bog. But would it I be? Mean, would it be? Because they stay there forever, and they yeah. and they're like perfectly preserved. Yeah, like the Celts, they would. This is kind of a dark tangent we're going on, but they would keep. <laughs> they would pickle the heads of ever, of all the enemies they had ever killed, and then when when like uh, let's say like a Roman writer would come to visit, they would take out all the heads and they would show them all the heads. Oh yeah, like, oh, these yeah, are all the people. This I've was killed. back in the spring of sixty. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways oh, jesus yeah but i mean that's this is the thing like human society was so violent that the justice system was the only thing at that time to curtail it yeah yeah so yeah free will didn't even come into it it was just it was it was a purely practical matter and the, everything else was you know and secondary and, to i that. mean i think also to a large extent there's been a great moral awakening um, starting in what they call the axial period, which is when you had like Jesus and Buddha, um, just saying like, Hey, how about, you know, we don't be dicks. And then people yeah. started passing those ideas down and it started, you know, it took hold when you, have you ever read Beowulf? I have not. I listened to it. I I've read it. I've read it through, but I, the best way that I ever, that I dealt, that I took in that information was listening to it in audiobook format, which is how they would have. They would have, because it was a spoken out loud poem. Yeah, it was spoken, um, spoken and it's a story. fascinating, it's it's fascinating because the poem was handed down through monasteries, but it's mm. a pre-Christian poem. So it's like they they try to force in some Jesus, but it doesn't really fit. And the biggest way that it doesn't fit is that the way that these people talk and the way that they, the things that they're concerned about are so radically different from a Christian morality. It's it's just like for for example, in, in Christian morality bragging, um, and being, uh, yeah, well, just bragging is it, it, is frowned upon. Like humility is one of the, the the prime virtues. Like, don't let your left hand know when your right hand is doing something good. Um, but that's so yeah. alien to Beowulf. He's like a lot of it is just like so. Beowulf shows up in uh, 
at, at this at the mead hall and one of the guys immediately calls him out and he's like yeah man you can't like how are you gonna help us like you're just a little pussy bitch and then beowulf is like fuck off i dove down into the ocean and i strangled a shark with my bare hands no i think he killed him with a sword i think he dove down with a sword yeah and then they go back and forth about like all this and then, and it's just brilliantly no like what are you talking about i'm the best warrior of all time like i totally kick ass and then he totally so it's does. just like these two guys just like just like just saying shit to each other <laughs> yeah and then and then he comes back and he's like like what the fuck have you ever done like you like you've never done anything i've never even heard of you and then, anyway it's it's a very different very different than than the like the chival the chivalry kind of ethos you see a couple hundred years later mm-hmm. and yeah. It, yeah it's a very it's a very big change uh in well it's it's kind of the morality of the strong versus the exactly morality yeah. of you know of, well, maybe everyone should be in this together. What it, uh, didn't like Nietzsche talked a little bit about that? How Christianity is a slave morality. I mean, which is like a, yeah. like not to get too much into that because that was used by some pretty nasty people. Um, <laughs> that, but it is it is a it's a morality that supports the weak. Yeah, it, it does. It's that's a big part of it, and kind of elevates being weak and being poor. You know, which is not a natural thing, and being kind. Which I would say mm-hmm. is more important than like being being weak, like I and I don't think that's again I don't, I'm not saying this is wrong. I think that's very important that kindness came to hold the central place in our in our system of virtue. Because mm-hmm. originally, like even the word virtue, like that's uh, where it come the word virtue as it comes into our tradition is is coming. We obviously it's a it's a Latin word, but it comes from the from a Latin translation of a Greek concept called arete. Um, and arate, like if you have an arate knife, it just means it's a sharp knife. And so right. if you have an arate, like person, that's just a person that is that is good at the essence of being what a person is. Yeah. And so basically, a good is being a good at being a person. Yeah, just... and that does it had virtue had no kind of connotation of of being kind. Although that was one of their they did they did find that important. Just I mean, not as much as maybe we do. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was like you. They. They say all about uh, moderation in. in, yeah. in the, at least the Greek sort of perspective. Absolutely. Is saying. Absolutely. There's. There's a difference between being brave and being foolhardy. And so I guess what I, what I was trying to get to with that long tangent about the evolution of morality is that I think that that played a large role and like the way that our our culture is in fact has has evolved. Oh, to the point that we are as people a lot less in need of being constrained by the threat of violence on an everyday basis. Yeah. I mean, most people make decisions. Uh, almost none of us make decisions based on the threat of prison time. I mean, there's obviously a few, some people do, but most of us are going through our days, not really worrying about that. Um, for obvious reasons i mean there's a lot of, it's one of those things our society's also gotten to the point with wealth where like nobody's starving to death you know there's a lot less desperation yeah there's less need so in the end people who do end up committing crimes and going to jail are just not very smart and they're just not very like they don't have they're, they're not thinking about the consequences they don't have a lot going on maybe they're on drugs maybe they're mentally ill yeah i mean it's certainly in the united states you look at the uh you look at the prison population there it's like one percent of the uh, u.s uh, population is in prison that's a ridiculous number 
that's one. And it's like a significant portion of those. That has more to do with draconian drug laws than anything. Well, it does, but a significant portion of those are are people with uh, mental illnesses of one type or another. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it sucks because like, (laughs) like... There's a whole it's whole set of issues with how they got rid of the uh, all the insane asylums in the 70s. Uh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like these places were great places. It's just that the alternative has not really turned out to be any better. Yeah, sure, sure. And now they're all mixed in with j- people who are there for selling drugs. And now they have to, you know, somebody who's been selling pot now has to deal with being surrounded by all these maniacs. <laughs> no, it, you know, it, and it's interesting. I was listening to... Uh, Stefan Kessig, uh, the Strenuous Life podcast, and he said something that really resonated with me, just talking about like self defense and mm-hmm. uh, and like different ways of defending yourself in, in in a situation. And and what he said was that if you're ever in a situation where you're un- in like, there's a physical threat to your safety uh, by someone who wants to be physically violent with you, it's very important to remember that that person is almost certainly mentally ill. Yeah. Like, like for them to eat almost by definition, you know, for them to want to actively hurt you means that there's something very wrong with them. Yeah. And so it takes like, just, just so that like, especially for like a young man to keep that in mind, like it's not a situation for those old instincts that we have from the times that I was describing to come out. It's like, no, this per like, you're not, you don't have, you're not going to win any honor from a confrontation with like a, me- a mentally ill person. You have to frame it as in this person is sick and what can I do to help them and try to have an open heart towards this person that's that's fucking with you. Yeah. It's true. And like um, don't get me wrong, you might I'm not saying that you can deal with with uh, a violent person by with love. I just mean like 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 you might even if you have to fight them. Like just 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 to know that like you shouldn't cause them any unnecessary harm. You just need to do what you need to do to control the situation, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And if you can avoid the confrontation all the better. Obviously. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean there's no yeah and that's the thing there's no no one's threatening your honor here you don't have to be uh you don't have to show show them up or anything either yeah you, yeah people used to carry around swords yeah <laughs> <laughs> that used to be a thing people used to walk around with like and then they were too heavy so they spe- they made a special kind of like super lightweight sword that they could just use to stab each other with <laughs> As late, like, like even like 150 years ago, people used to. I know. They had to outlaw dueling. Dude, like, dueling people would just stand. They would stand <laughs> 10 or 20 feet away from each other and shoot each other. They would stand there. And several presidents so of the United forward. States did so. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. And then even before that, they would, uh, there was in, uh, so in Virginia. So what happened in the colonization of Virginia was there were all these big tobacco planters. And so they would take in indentured servants from England and then they would have them on like a four year or a seven year term. So the people basically pay off their passage to the new world with four or seven years of service on these tobacco plantations or sugar plantations. And then after the four or seven years, they don't want to pay them, but also these people had nowhere to go. And so they just kind of started to accumulate in the woods. Of course, this started to cause serious political issues, and then that's what led the planters to be like, fuck this, we'll just buy slaves from Africa, and then we won't have to set them free. Um, <laughs> but before they did that, uh, they had already brought in hundreds of thousands of people from Britain, and like, there was a sizable population of people living in the woods, and they're just like, they're, they came from England, which was more wild than it is now, but it was still pretty pedestrian. Uh, yeah. The climate... Most, most areas have been, most of the trees have been cut down. Pretty mild, you know, it doesn't get too hot doesn't get too cold 
there's no large animals to a place where there are like bears and cougars and alligators and they're in like the swamp and like it, it gets freezing cold in the winter way colder than england and then it gets just blisteringly hot in the summer and these people the honor culture that they developed like they would they would the way that they did it like you would win a fight if somebody challenged you to a fight you had to accept and then they would they would agree to meet at a day and time. So everybody, they, it would basically like schoolyard situation. They would form a circle around it. And then the way that you want to fight, you'd have to knock the guy down, get him in mount, and then gouge his eye out. And then <laughs> that's how, <laughs> like, like you Seriously? Would a fight was considered over, over if you could knock the guy out or gouge his eye out. And they usually went for the eye gouging. And this was such a big issue. They tried, the North tried to outlaw it. And they tried to put a stop to this. Um, and one of the there's a famous uh, journal like journalistic missive that was sent back by this journalist that was at this at this trial of a guy who was on trial for gouging and he got acquitted. And he said that half the jury only had one eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's called jury nullification if I've ever seen it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> kind of ridiculous yeah and then that that lasted until the uh, mass production of knives why am i not surprised yeah and then that's that practice <laughs> as soon as stopped. everyone had a knife then it's like oh maybe maybe we should stop this. <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean they continued to duel but it was no longer so like, vicious the eye gouging ended yeah and the 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 generally accepted counter to an eye gouge was to bite the nose bite the, bite the nose <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Man. So that's why, like, the UFC has specific rules against that <laughs> specifically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. You know, Tangent. it's funny. You mentioned the weather in England. I actually was just the other day, I was just looking up, like, how much rain they get there. So, so London's actually remarkably dry. Yeah. When during hot spells in the climate, they grow grapes there. Yeah. I mean, like, I was looking. I was looking yeah. at Lon- London's average rainfall is like six hundred and something millimeters. Uh, I can't really um, put that into into perspective. But wait, yeah, because I've heard numbers like fifteen hundred. I think fifteen hundred. So, like, if you're in a, a rainforest, is anything over twelve hundred? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so Goderich, uh, for example, averages about nine hundred a year. Right, right. So it's wetter than London, and Dublin, as it turns out, Dublin is about six seven twenty five. Is it that those places are overcast more? They're, uh, yeah, they are overcast quite frequently. Um, also, the, the every day it's cloudy, and every day it's right. also sunny. So, oh, it so. just changes a lot. So Halifax gets uh, about 1,400 millimeters of rainfall per year. 1,400? Yeah. That's quite impressive, actually. Yeah. So that's, what, that's like, significantly more than two times what London gets. Yeah. I mean, and like, that's enough, that's enough that, uh, you could, you could have a rainforest if, if it were, enough. if it were warm enough, I guess it, maybe yeah. you could call it, well, it is like, so the South Shore Nova Scotia is pretty, pretty close yeah. to it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> if you're starting to get up in those, that sort of range of rainfall totals, you're, you're gonna, yeah. you could probably grow some stuff that you could grow out West there. I'd imagine. Yeah. I think it's going to get better and better at the climate. I do. Well, better and better also. <laughs> kind of, kind of a, I mean, depends what you mean by better. Better for growing. Better for growing. Yeah. Maybe not for everything else. <laughs> well, for Nova Scotia. I think Nova Scotia and New Brunswick are, are going to do great. But Yeah. Well, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we need a growing population to keep our 
our old folks' homes and the hospitals open anyway. So one of these days, <laughs> it will be the agricultural capital of the of the world. Uh, no, the soil is not good enough. Uh, All right. Well, I, I'm pretty happy with uh, our, our little sum up here of the of the topic. I, I don't think we stayed on topic for no, very we long. No, we didn't. We didn't. But we discussed some interesting stuff, so I'm happy with it. Okay. Do you want to just do like 10 minutes on the original free will and justice? Well, nah, maybe not. I think, yeah, we yeah. did pretty good. I mean, we, we did 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning on it. And there's like, I mean, the problem is, is that as long as you accept that there's free will, the justice system makes perfect bloody sense. And if you have a problem with free will, then still practically the justice system makes sense. Yeah, because it has an instrumental perfect. use. Yeah. Yeah instrumentally we still need even even accepting there is no free will and we're automaton automata automata is plural automata automata yeah that's a better way maybe Um, regardless accepting that we are that um it still modifies our behavior both potential and like ipso facto yeah and as a result we need to it should probably continue to exist for that very reason yeah okay sounds good Uh, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to cut here and uh, save.